really powerful prayer that Paul prayed. And I think it's one that was really important to the, the uh, Ephesian Gentile Christians because they didn't have this rich heritage that the Jews had, a long-term relationship with God, a great understanding of who he was and, and where they fit in terms of his, his big plan. Um, he wanted them to, to know God more intimately. He wanted Christ to dwell in their hearts. And as new Christians who didn't have access to all the information that we have today, and as new Christians who, who um, were just starting out in their faith, just starting a church in Ephesus, Paul wanted them to know God more intimately. This morning I want to I talk... Um, from the book of Ephesians, but not from a specific uh, chapter and verse. We're going to, to do a survey of the whole book. So, you know that, that saying, you can't see the forest for the trees? Sometimes we focus on the particulars and we miss the glorious big picture. And, and that's what I want us to look at today. Paul's um, glorious big picture for these uh, Ephesian Gentile Christians. And we Begin. Oh, can you cue it back to the first slide, please? The book of Ephesians can easily be um, divided in half. The first three uh, chapters focus on their life before Christ. Heathens. <laughs> Paul says, You were dead. <clears throat> Before Christ. Following that, in the same three chapters, we have a, a passage of scripture where, where Paul looks at God's legacy and the gifts that he's given us. So he's comparing, contrasting their life before Christ and then what has God done for them and for us through Christ. And finally, the second half of the book, chapters four through six, oops, focus on our legacy. What are we going to leave as a result of our life? And what are we giving to others uh, through Christ and with Christ? What does our life look like as new creatures in Christ? <clears throat> the pivot point of, of this theme is, is found in chapter 4, verse 1. The first half of the book will talk about spiritual wealth the things God has given to us. Doctrine, teaching. There's a lot of teaching that goes on for these new Gentile Christians about who God is and how they should live out their lives. Theology, that's a big word. Study of God. In, this, in the first three chapters, there's just tons of information about who God is, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and his relationship and, and the work that they do in the lives of Christians. Revelation. What was God's plan? Our heritage in Christ. Immense Christian blessings. Immense Christian blessings. We're going to cover these in our, in our chat this morning. And finally, what is the work of Christ in us? This is contrasted in the second half of, of Ephesians 
from our spiritual wealth to what should our spiritual walk look like? How should we walk as Christians, given what we've been given from God? We move from doctrine to what should we do with this doctrine? What is our duty? And then moving from this big picture understanding of God to how do we put this in practice? How do we put what we know about God into practice? From revelation to what is our responsibility? Our heritage in Christ, our life in Christ. What should it look like? From Christian blessings, things that have been given to us, to what should we be doing with those blessings? And finally, from the work of Christ, the things he's done in us, to what he's going to do through us as Christians. Paul's prayer. Mar just read it. And I'm just going to focus on the bold. There's a lot of words in there, but the bold piece is really the important part. Paul prays that you will be strengthened with power so that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. That's a prayer that each one of us can appreciate. That we'll have the power so that Christ can dwell in our hearts. Oops, got to go back. Secondly, that we'll have the power, there's that power word again, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is, how big is God's love? Have you got a handle on that one? How big is God's love? It's incredible. And to know this love, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Are you there? Questions for us. Are we strengthened with that power? And are we aware of its presence within us? And do we really understand how huge God's love is? How powerful it is? And do you intimately know God's love and does it fill you with the fullness of God himself? Good questions. These are the kinds of things that the Ephesians were wrestling with. God, or Paul, wanted them to internalize this stuff and I think it's relevant for us today. If we understand these concepts, then we understand our calling. That is, we were created to do good works. And we will live a life worthy of the calling we have received. God has given us all these blessings. Now what? What should our life look like? And that's really what the passage is about this morning. Chapter 4, verse 1 depending on, on the, the version you're looking at, there, it's either a then or a therefore. But I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's what Paul's admonition to the Gentile, or the Ephesians uh, in that day. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Well, what does that calling look like? I'm not getting immediate response sometimes here. Yeah. So, three sections for this morning's passage. In order to appreciate what God has done for us, Paul goes back to say, this is what your life was like before, before you were Christians. 
And we're going to focus on some of the things that Paul highlighted there. And we're going to go through them fairly fast. And then we're going to look at the call. What has God done for us to equip us and enable us to become everything he wants us to be? And finally, the challenge for us who believe to live the life of a Christian worthily. Given what we've been given, how then can we live out our lives in a way that's pleasing and satisfying to God? To live our life um, with intentionality, given what God has done for us. So let's go back. This is, this is the tough stuff. He, Paul doesn't pull any punches. But before Christ, you were dead. You might have been walking around, but you were spiritually dead. And it was your transgressions and sins that were putting up this barrier between you and God. You followed the ways of the world. We talked about this in our Bible study, how even today as Christians, the world we live in has a, a powerful influence on us. He says, you followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the disobedient. Is he talking about? He doesn't say it, but it's Satan. Our boss, before we became Christians, the Lord of our life was really Satan. And if it wasn't just Satan, it was us. We were gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. We were dead. We had no access to Jesus Christ. By nature, we were objects of wrath. You don't have to go very far in scripture to understand what that one's like. Noah, in the days of Noah, God, God said, these people are evil always. They're evil always. And he was sad that he had even created them. And they were to become the objects of God's wrath. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't that a great little catchy thing, a little song? Noah found favor in the eyes of his Lord. And through Noah, uh, the human race was, was continued. But God wiped him out, objects of wrath. Lot's wife. You know, the angel came to Sodom and Gomorrah, visited Lot and his family, and realized this place is really bad. And so he sends Lot and his family off to the mountains. And, and Lot, being the wimp that he was, said, oh, I don't think I can make it that far. Can you just make this next little town a refuge for us? We can go that far. Of course, the angel obliges. And they're, they're running across the plains, up to this little town. And the one thing, the one thing the angel says is, don't look back. Well, Lot's wife just couldn't resist when that fiery sulfur came down upon those cities and she looked back. Poof, pillar of salt. Objects of wrath. It gives us an idea of what it might be like when we get to eternity and we don't know Jesus. the Gentiles could appreciate what they had in Christ. Before Christ, they were separate from Christ. They were excluded from citizenship in Israel without hope and without God in the world. This is nothing new to us, but it may have been extremely valuable information to those folks in in Ephesus. Since you were foreigners and aliens, you had no home. 
You had no place to go. You were without hope. <clears throat> well, what about the calling? That's the, that's the past life. But what has God done for us? And, and all of a sudden, the tone of this, this, this message changes. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise him who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have been blessed in the heavenlies with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Another concept difficult for us to fathom, even even today. An incredible heritage of blessings have been bestowed upon us as Christians. You were chosen. We were chosen in Christ. God picked us, all of us, from the creation of the world. From the very beginning, this was his plan, that we could walk and be his glorious bride, spotless and blameless before him. We were chosen. They were chosen. In love, we were adopted into his family. We are no longer captive of Satan's rule and power over us. We've been adopted into his family. We are sons and daughters of God. Jesus is our brother. And we have this glorious inheritance in heaven as as his sons and daughters. We were bought and redeemed by the blood of Christ. No greater gift. And our sins have been forgiven, blotted out. How? In accordance with the riches of God's grace. The Bible says that all, all of us require different levels of grace. And I always think, well, yeah, some of us are a little rustier than others. <laughs> but God's grace is sufficient, which he lavished on us, poured upon us with all his wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will. And the mystery in this context is that the Jews and now the Gentiles are all a part of one family, inherited um, and will receive an inheritance uh, in heaven along with his chosen people, the Jews. The Gentiles were once far away, but now they are brought near. The dividing wall of hostility between the Jew and Gentile is now gone. You look back in the Old Testament at how often the Jewish people were in conflict with the people who were not Jews. Time and time again. Well, that barrier is no longer. Those Jewish folks had a reputation. But now the Gentiles, too, are a part of God's family. They had seen and heard what God had done in the lives of the Jewish people over their tremendous journeys. Now this power and this love, this God is available to them as Gentiles. He's available to us. And now there's one new man. We are all fellow citizens in heaven. Members of one body, shares together the promise of Christ, in Christ. Members of one body. This whole theme of unity was really important for the for the Hebrew, uh, sorry, the the Ephesian Gentiles to understand. And we can approach God, all of us can approach God with confidence 
and freedom, knowing that we've been made his, his bride, the spotless uh, bride of Christ. How? Well, through God's grace. It is by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works that any of us should boast. We are God's workmanship. He made us, and he created uh, things for us to do that we might be about doing the good works which God prepared for us in advance. We were made to do good things. Well, what does this new life that Paul is talking about look like? Remember that pivot point, chapter 4, verse 1? Therefore, walk worthily of the calling that you have been given. We're now moving from those first three chapters to the second three. And I'm just going to move through these fairly fast. I was provided some some advice by uh, a very reliable source that said if you go over 30 minutes, chances are they're not going to uh, ask you to speak again. I I told this to Walter, you know, I had to think about it for at least a nanosecond and just add a little more material and then problem solved. (laughs) But anyway, I'll move along as fast as I can here. How do we live out this calling? How do we live uh, a life that is worthy of the things that God has done for us? How do these Ephesian Christians, how should they live? To start with in in chapter 4, he just said, be humble. Be gentle. None of us have room for, for bragging. None of us have room for pride because what's been done for us was given to us even though we were, lo- we were not deserving. The free gift of God. We were not deserving. And so we have grounds to be humble. And he wants us to be gentle with one another. To be patient, bearing with one another. And I was thinking this, this last week, um, some of you know I've been trying to help Willem with his house a little bit in my spare time, and he said something about a lamb beam. And I had, I didn't know where the sheep were, I didn't know what beam he was talking about. There's boards and sticks out there, but I didn't know lamb beam from two by four. And, and you know, being the patient man that he was, he had to explain, oh, it's over there, those are the ones that you were moving, and blah, blah, blah. But that kind of patience, instead of yelling at me, and then I probably go home. (laughs) I'd be really sad. But be patient with one another, bearing with one another. And that's the kind of of support that we need for each other as we we walk this, this walk, this Christian calling. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Um, You know, for for this, this church, unity is really important. It's not about getting your way all the time. It's not about getting your color or your pick of the order of service. It's, it's about unity. And it's about being patient and gentle with one another. And that's the kind of life Paul admonishes these folks to live. He says there's one body and one spirit. These are the focus that we should be, be hanging on to. Um, there's one hope. When you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, in all, and through all. These, these things are the core of who we are as, as the church. And, and we need to stay focused on those things. Those are the things that are important. 
And notice that there's just one of each. And God has equipped some of us with other responsibilities. Some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. To do what? To prepare the rest of us, God's people, for service. To do good works. And he, we, it's, it's our responsibility to, to submit ourselves to those who are in that uh, position of leadership so that we can be equipped to do good works. So that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Paul wants these new Christians in Ephesus to grow up into Christ. And I don't think we're ever done with that. That fits for all of us. For us to grow up attaining the fullness of Christ. What would that look like? No longer be infants. Instead, speaking the truth in love, grow up into him who is the head. That theme of growing up maturing, says that all of us are are on this journey together and our responsibility is to encourage one another in that journey, be patient with one another. He says, don't live as the Gentiles do any longer. You're living a new life and it's only made possible by what God has done for you. Oops. Put off falsehood, speak truthfully to one another. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Clean up your messes before the end of the day so that we don't harbor this root of bitterness that uh, eats away at our soul and it eats away at at who we are as as a church. He says, work. Do something useful with your hands so you can benefit others. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only those things that are going to uplift and benefit one another. Guard your tongue. You know, James talks really pointedly about how powerful the tongue is. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. That's the key. Remember how God is continually forgiving you and how patient he is with us. Be imitators of God. Think about how he has lavished his love upon us and what he's done for us. Just like Christ loved us and gave himself for us. That's sacrificial love that he's asking us to to give to one another. Submission is a key piece. And then he talks a lot about these family relationships, and we've, we've covered them in other messages. But talks about wives and husbands and dads, slaves, masters. Two weeks ago, Jason talked to us about this passage. 
put on the full armor of God so we can fight this spiritual battle that is constantly upon us as Christians. Put on that spiritual armor so you can become, uh, you can become able to stand against the devil's schemes. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions and keep praying for all the saints. These are the things that, that, that Paul says, that's what your life should be looking like. The other day I was, I was up visiting uh, Dave's story. I'd left a tool up at his, in his truck and I, I had a little chat with him. <clears throat> and he was curious how Willem was doing on his house. And um, I said, well, we, you know, we got the rafters up and did some other stuff. And he said, oh, no, everybody was okay, nobody was hurt. Yeah. <clears throat> and he says, well, that's good. I was praying for you guys the other day. And, and Jason was sharing with us last week the importance of us praying for one another all the time. Don't wait for something bad to be happening. Pray for one another all the time. That's what our walk is to be about. We'll live our life worthily if we're doing these things. <clears throat> so the question for us then this morning is how will we live out God's calling in our lives? As a Christian, have you got room to grow? Do you completely understand and can you comprehend this love and these gifts that God has given us? My guess is most of us have, have room to grow. But you know, if you don't have Jesus this morning, if he's not the Lord of your life, you're still walking in that first section of the passage that we talked about, that you're dead in your transgressions and sins. And you don't have this rich inheritance that the rest of us have as Christians. Um, that's the end of the story, unless Jesus becomes the Lord of your life. And if you're interested in becoming a Christian, you need to make that decision. There's members of, of this congregation, the leadership team would be up here in a flash if, if you decide after the service you need somebody to chat with. So how can we live our life worthily of his calling? That's the question that I leave with you this morning. How will you live your life worthily of the things that he has done for you? Remember Paul's prayer? I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner being so that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. It should be our prayer for one another in this congregation. Uh, thank you very much.